The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Before we start this episode of Bench with Bubba, I just wanted to say a couple things and just let us enjoy life as it is for for what we have. And uh, I hope that helps you guys out a little bit as it'll help me out to keep talking about baseball because the news we've got the last few days has been very, very uh, disheartening to the situation. All sports are canceled. You know, I love golf and other things and they're canceled or postponed. And that's just odd for the way of life we have. The closest thing that I can remember is 9-11 where we lost sports for a little while, but that was a different situation. It brought all of us together and wasn't putting extra people in harm's way for an unknown thing. Like we don't know what's ahead of us right now as uh, this, we keep finding more and more things out every day. So I don't want to sit here and uh, make light of any situation. I'm going to keep recording bench with Bubba's. I got some awesome guests lined up for the next week or so. Maybe we'll take a few days off here and there, but we'll keep plugging along. It's going to be uh, some hard times, but we're going to be doing this together. Uh, I'll have some written content coming out here pretty soon as well. And we're going to be business as usual. The, the uh, rankings will be updated once we get a better idea of what the baseball season is going to entail. And uh, for now, just everybody uh, hold tight, um, love your loved ones, and uh, hope these podcasts uh, bring you some entertainment, some laughs, and because uh, they will be doing that for me. And I hope they do the same for you because that's why I do these is I love talking sports. I love having the followers I have. Uh, hearing back from you guys, getting ratings, reviews, and just interaction on Twitter is what I do it for. I don't make a dime off of this. So um, it, it's all fun for me, and I hope you guys are getting some entertainment out of this. I talked to Bogman about it on the In This League radio show, and we, we, we tried to make some laughs, but that was one of the hardest hours I've done in a long time. This episode was fun with Aaron Sosetta, uh talking aces. He's a, he's a great guy. We've had great people on the show, and again, we'll have great people going forward, but uh, this is for you guys. So if uh, there's anything that you guys want talked about, if you have anything that's fun, exciting, uh, new subjects, let me know because we're here to uh, keep pumping content out for you guys to keep your mind at ease, keep your mind off what's really going on out there and uh, giving us something to to enjoy. So for now, welcome to Bench with Bubba episode 258. Uh, hope you guys stay safe and we will uh, catch you guys next time. And welcome back everybody to another episode of Bench with Bubba episode 259 got a recurring guest on the show uh talking about some aces the creator of the aces metric you can find him on twitter at roto pope aaron saceta how we doing man bubba thanks for having me again i love the the ring of that recurring guest and man i, I think i needed this tonight so i uh, appreciate you having me on you you and me both like i, I was tweeting stuff earlier and I, I talked about it in the intro i recorded already that i, I did an hour with uh, a usual show i do every week with um with uh, the Endless League guys and Scott Bogman and myself were very funny. Like, we'd make jokes about everything. And we both admitted, like, 
it was the clunkiest hour of radio we've done like ever because it was just trying to make light of a crappy situation yeah <laughs> yeah exactly it was yeah. tough so yeah and um, I, hope, I hope i could just barely live up to even a sliver of what you guys did because it'll probably be even worse over here but uh, it'll be good uh like, like i was telling you beforehand we'll talk it out here for a little bit is uh I, I want uh, to keep doing the podcast. We're going to keep doing the show, having guests like yourself and other great people in the industry, because um, I already had people on Twitter reach out that says, no, we need people to keep producing content. Like they need stuff to yeah. keep their minds off of things. So that's what we're here for, because I love talking baseball. I know you said you love talking baseball. This is kind of our getaway from everything. Absolutely. Um, so we'll do all of that. And I'll get to your aces metric in a second, but let's just talk about the elephant in the room beforehand. Uh, the coronavirus has swept the world, not just the nation. And uh, we've seen pretty much every sporting event, even right before we started recording, the PGA has canceled the next like four weeks of action. So pretty much everything outside of NASCAR and UFC and maybe a couple soccer leagues are off the books right now. Um, baseball has canceled spring training. I, I have the MLB Network on as we record. The Diamondbacks said uh, they're going to keep facilities open. If players want to keep training, they'll be – you know, trainers there for them, but it's not a required thing. So we'll see how all that goes. MLB said they're going to uh, push the start of the season back at least two weeks. I'm thinking it starts on May. Way longer, right? Yeah. Yeah, at least May. So what's what's your take on this? Because literally we're shooting in the dark here. We have no idea what's going to happen. Yeah, and, and I'm, I'm kind of embarrassed to say that I was actually at spring training last weekend, and I think I was part of the camp that – you know, I wasn't I wasn't dismissing coronavirus by any means, but I think I was more just saying, you know, just just take the necessary precautions. You know, don't don't put yourself in, you know, uh, you know, really crowded situations, which I kind of did anyways in, at spring training and make sure you're washing your hands regularly and just kind of typical, you know, daily health sort of precautions like that. But no, absolutely. I think um, beginning last night, you know, you kind of already got a sense that it was getting more serious. But the the NBA, you know, suspending the season is something that we've never really seen in our lifetimes related to uh, at least anything that I can remember related to something like this, you know, there's, you know, sometimes labor lockouts and things like that, but that really um, kind of woke me up. I'm like, wow, this is, you know, something, something's really going on here. It's kind of sad to say that took that to do it for me, but um, yeah, yeah, that, that's here we are today. And um, yeah, like you said, MLS following the same MLB, you know, somewhat predictably being kind of slow on it them them coming out today and at least postponing the season two weeks which uh like you and i were talking about i, I think will will surely be a little bit longer than that i would think so um yeah it's uh you know it's crazy and yeah everyone's kind of starting the uh, the self-quarantine process and taking it a little bit more seriously but i think it's you know probably probably for the better it is for the better and i'm with you like a week or so ago i was one of those guys thinking ah it's just the flu like i've never had a flu shot in my life i'm always yeah. a guy that's like you know i'll be sick for a couple of days and i'm never like that bad i get over it i'm young like I'm only in my mid to late thirties. Like it's not going to you know, get me. And then you see more and more stuff come out and then you see like they're canceling things and all this stuff. And it started to really get my attention. Like, okay, maybe this is a little, like I have, I have meetings. I'm supposed to go to like an hour away of like 75 people. They're canceling those. Like, yeah. like it's, it's when you know, that's kind of serious stuff. And uh, you know, I believe you're in Southern California, right? I am. Yep. Yeah. You're in California. I'm about an hour out of San Jose. And like last week when uh, they started, putting the restrictions like the SAP center and stuff yep. like that. And then, you know, the San Francisco and Oakland a couple of days ago did some stuff. That's when it really like got my attention. Like, okay, this is, this is serious. This is yeah, not good. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we'll have to deal with it the yep. best we can. Uh, it, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what MLB does. I guess they're supposed to come out with some more information probably Monday. They said they're going to kind of see what the next few days do and uh, go from there. Um, none of us are doctors. None of us are experts. It's just kind right. of a, Wait and see. We're going to talk baseball. It's going to, you know, there's the, there's two sides of it. There's the part that really sucks because we don't have baseball. Like, I don't know about you, Aaron. I was even good with the idea because, like, I was talking to someone earlier. I said that the closest thing for me was when 9-11 happened and we lost sports for, like, a couple weeks. Yeah. But it wasn't like there was a, a pandemic sweeping the nation. It, it was a shame what happened in New York and Pennsylvania, but it was, like, a, a, a one-time thing, and then it was kind of over. We kind of rallied now, around it even. Exactly. And now it's like we have a situation where they were still saying and we had sports to get us back into life then. So when they had the idea of, OK, we can have games with empty stadiums. I was like, cool, because at worst, I'm not going to go to a lot of live games and it'll keep our mind off everything. I was yeah. all for it. But the more you see about it, like you said earlier, it makes sense. It's probably the right move. Um, but what I was saying before all that in the gibberish is 
in the fantasy twist of it, when we really start digging back in here on this episode and future episodes, you know, there's guys that are injured like Justin Verlander and and, yeah. uh, and Paxton and all these guys that now become fantasy relevant again. So it's going to be real interesting to see how all of that plays out. Definitely. And, and how are you guys approaching your drafts, at least in your leagues? I know I know in the league that I run and some of the other leagues that I'm part of, you know, there's already discussions about what do we do about the drafts. I guess it kind of depends on risk tolerance and, you know, maybe what's at stake. But at least for the one that I'm running, um, you know, we, we I just kind of decided that it didn't really make sense to draft right now. We might as well just kind of follow MLB and, and postpone it. And then, you know, we can figure out what the right timing again is once we learn a little bit more but you know a lot of people like to do drafts early anyways and you know i'm, I'm totally fine with that too so maybe some people are still doing it kind of keeping keeping their mind off things by doing that so what, what are you doing in your leagues it's a good question because like you know obviously there's some that are already done like tgfbi is pretty much done i'm in the middle of wrath yeah, slam yeah. like 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 my idea is if you're in a draft right now play it out like finish it be done with takes like you said some guys draft early you what once the first few picks are made you can't just stop making picks because of something because exactly. maybe, you know, you passed on Mike Clevenger because of his injury, but now he's back to being like a second round pick. So like it, it just kind of a lot of the things change. Um, but going forward, like tonight was supposed to be, I have two listener leagues. The second one, by the way, people still has, like got three spots left. If anybody's interested, rate and review, you can get in. But the first one was supposed to draft tonight and literally like at like two and a half hours before the draft, I just messaged everybody and said, we're postponing this. Like There's no yeah. point in drafting. Um, yeah. if, if you have the availability to go like NFPC, uh, cancel all its live events, they're still debating. Like a lot of the big money people are trying to push it off. I totally understand that. Like I don't yeah. play in big, big money, like fifty hundred dollars is kind of where I max out. Same. But, uh, yeah. if you got like thousands of dollars on this, I would be wanting to wait too. But yeah, biggest thing is I, I'd wait like you're saying. Yep. So, no, that, that's exactly where I'm at right now too. We'll wait and see there, but uh, that's kind of the situation there, and I have a feeling we'll be talking about uh, this for many, many weeks, unfortunately. But let's get into some more uh, lightning stuff. Let's talk actual baseball. Let's talk the Aces metric. And, Aaron, let's uh, watch everybody know kind of, like, where this developed, where they can find it for one. So I didn't even plug that because I may have a couple different spots for that and all that good stuff before we really get into it. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, we talked about it a little bit last year, and essentially this is just a continuation of some of the Arsenal score work that we've seen on fan graphs over the years, sort of starting with, you know, Saris, I know Alex Chamberlain, Rylan Edwards, and some others have contributed to it. But at its core, it's looking at a pitcher through the lens of their individual pitches. And specifically with aces, it's looking at their stuff of those pitches. So for each pitch, looking at things like, you know, what's their spin rate on their fastball? What's their you know, the the movement or the command and all of those pieces. And, and essentially the reason that I wanted to combine this into a single view like aces is, you know, you go to like Rob Friedman's pitching ninja account, which, you know, everyone should be following. And it's just, it's awesome to see all of those kinds of pitches, but I'm always wondering is like, okay, like what does this mean in the broader sense? Does this mean he's, you know, got really good stuff. He's, he's obviously got this really good pitch here. And so I kind of wanted a way to look, look at kind of take that similar per pitch analysis that you see on, you know, Friedman's account but also be able to sum it up, you know, for, for a pitcher as a whole. So that, that's what sort of aces was trying to do this year, updated it to include, you know, more components that we've, that we've been seeing from Statcast. like release extension is in there now, uh, was found to have pretty solid predictive ability, um, you know, spin rates in there. We've got velocity command, a, a lot of these other pieces and, and the whole articles on CBS sports to, to answer your question there and the full leaderboard, um, you know, I think on that article that, that we show the top 15 and, and bottom 15% by aces, but, the full leaderboard, which includes 2017 through 2019, is on uh, Sportsline. Cool. Yeah, and I remember when we talked last year. I think the reason I got in touch with you is uh, it just came out for a long time. I was intrigued, but I was talking with you know Sarah because he was incorporating aces into his works. I think he kind of was kind of talking with you through this, or I don't know the whole story anymore. But um, that all started, and he uses a lot of his rankings. He uses aces and stuff. Um, as a stuff ranking, how would you say the difference between aces and stuff is when you're looking at uh, evaluating a pitcher? Yeah, no, I, I think I think they're quite similar. Um, you know, definitely going about it in maybe slightly different ways. I know um, the you know the the stuff score that Eno uses is from Driveline, and I think Dan Oakland was leading a lot of that work. So, and, and Dan and I have had, had you know a few kind of DM conversations, just trying to learn a little bit more about what he's doing. So I think there's definitely some differences. Like I think he in, incorporates things like spin efficiency and, and spin axis, and or maybe it's spin direction, things along those lines. You know, Aces kind of uses some different components and, and perhaps weights them a little bit differently because I can't really speak to the way that they weight them. 
But um, what I noticed, you know, also does is kind of uses stuff and command as kind of two things he likes to look at mm -hmm. together, um, you know, maybe in roughly like a 60-40 split in favor of stuff, whereas Aces tries to bring all of that into a single metric. Um, so Aces does incorporate that command. It has the stuff element, and it's just really, it's just weighted a little bit differently. On average, um, I would say stuff is probably weighted, roughly speaking, about 85%. Command being 15%. That's just sort of how the testing came out to be most predictive of future success. Um, but it, it varies by pitch. The, the, a lot of the ACES testing was, or all of the ACES testing was done on a per pitch level to see, you know, how important each of these different stuff components was for each individual pitch type. When um, the, the numbers we used last year when we discussed ACES, um, how would you say kind of the numbers you put together going into the season? panned out for the rest of the season because i know we were using it to kind of maybe find hidden gems we're going to talk about some um on, on the newest list here for 2019 data did you see anything that uh kind of lined up was it like more accurate i don't know if that's the intent of it all but uh, i think you kind of had an idea what i'm saying there was did, did, did it all match up in the end or were there kind of some like hmm that didn't kind of finish the way we thought it would i think there was absolutely some of that that didn't finish like like, like we thought it would i think um you know I'm probably not alone in this, but Nick Pavetta was definitely someone, and, and even Zach oh, Eflin, yeah, kind of those picks were two guys that you know, definitely popped by stuff metrics like aces, and yeah, didn't didn't have great years. I mean, maybe maybe you could say Eflin did for like a month, and he was a really nice sell high candidate because he did not he was not pitching well, you know, kind of under the hood, so to speak. But um, no, yeah, it definitely wasn't all success. Um, but there were a few, you know, it kind of depends on which range you want to go in, but. Some guys that were like not they weren't cheap by any means, but they definitely outperformed where you would have got them. And you know, Aces was was huge fans of them. Was um, Charlie Morton and Luis Castillo? Okay, yeah, I remember talking so, about so some of those, those guys. were guys that you certainly, yeah, no, absolutely, sorry, and, and sorry. you definitely would have profited off them. Those two, and then uh, Frankie Montas was another one. I think he was like 88th percentile, um, so he he definitely popped. And then I don't even think that incorporated his splitter, so you kind of knew there was a really solid foundation. And then once he added the splitter, it was uh, yeah, definitely really solid guy there. And then. Um, I wouldn't really count this one as a huge success, but I just thought it was kind of interesting that, you know, someone going so late had good stuff. And that, that was really the only reason I knew about this guy was Jordan Lyles. Um, you know, he, I wouldn't really call him a huge success, but I do play in some of those 50 round draft and holds on that, on an FBC. And, you know, I would take him like the 45th round or, you know, somewhere really, really late there. Um, and I just thought it was, you know, that, that, that was nice. That was a nice help um, from aces to be able to get a guy that I was actually able to start sometimes just because I don't know if you play in those formats of man, it gets, it, it gets really, really rough out there. You know, it's 15 teams, 50 rounds. So, you know, there's 750 players or so drafted and it can, you know, it's, it's tough to find guys that late. So I, I thought that was a, you know, helpful piece of what, what aces was helped surface uh, surface last year. And that's what I love about things like this. And I have a lot of guests on because one thing that I, I love about the community, there's so many brilliant minds that are, so much smarter than me when it comes to putting numbers and analyzing things and finding metrics like this. And, you know, Alex Chamberlain has his, his pitch leaderboard and there's all these different tools. Um, it really helps me find those kind of guys that, you know, your diamonds in the rough. So your late round shots and stuff like that. And it gets you on them. Even if you don't draft them, say you're not going 50 rounds or whatever. Yeah. They're on your, they're on your watch list. You know, you can stream them, things along those lines. Uh, so I'm, I'm a big fan of, of situations like that. Um, you have aces plus aces versus aces plus what's the yep. main difference there yeah the main difference is that aces plus adds in results so some of the past arsenal score work had incorporated um you know like ground like just results essentially so grounders or you know whiffs and, and things of that nature and so i thought that was a little bit of a you know kind of something a missing piece of aces is that it was really great to be able to look at the stuff but then you know sometimes just those stuff metrics there's just something else that the pitcher does that's able to drive good results, whether it's maybe deception or tunneling or, or just other things that, you know, it's just not as clear from some of these other metrics that are measuring some of the, the stuff elements. So I wanted to incorporate an element of results in there as well. And so you'll have things like, you know, strikeouts, whiffs, and, um, you know, soft contact as well, like from, from StatCast. And so incorporated those elements as well. And it was, it was a really similar process as ACEs going through each pitch and just figuring out how important each of those elements was for this, for, predicting future success of that pitch. And so on average, once, you know, I incorporated results, I think roughly speaking, the, the breakdown there was about 68, you know, roughly 68, 70% results sort of driving aces plus, and then the other 30 or so being a mix of stuff and command. So that that's the main difference between the two is aces plus got things like whiffs, strikeouts, um, you know, soft contact, things like that in it. 
Okay, cool. I, I like that because that uh, shows more incorporation there. I, I know you have the Arsenal percentage column there. You got the number of pitches. Just seeing Zach Wheeler with six pitches. I knew he had a lot, but my goodness, that's pretty, <laughs> yeah. pretty crazy, crazy to look at there. Um, when you're looking to evaluate these guys, say you're doing your drafts, do you prefer to target just the Aces column or do you want the Aces plus column? I like to look at both. Um, and if anything, I, you know, I, I've, I found myself kind of liking the Aces plus. So just as a, a little bit more of, you know, overview of, of the two aces is, is incredibly sticky year to year because we're measuring things like velocity, like spin rate. Those things are, you know, tend to be for the most part, just somewhat innate for the pitchers. You know, they're obviously doing offseason work to improve on those, but to a certain degree, there's only so much they can change. So when you see someone has good stuff in one year, it's quite likely that they're going to have similar you know stuff the next year so i like that but at the same time aces plus is a little more predictive of maybe things that we care about a little bit more like future era and things like that so you kind of got to go between the two um ideally in a perfect world the, the pitcher that you like is good at both you know good at driving results and, and has the stuff with it but um if i had to choose one i you know I've, i'm definitely kind of feeling the aces plus just because i feel like it helps us uncover or, you know, helps identify players that, um, you know, you're actually driving results on the field that are predictive of, you know, for future success and, and continue to drive more results on the field. I guess it makes sense looking at it. Like, I'm not, we're going to talk about a lot of these players, so we'll, we'll discuss their aces and aces plus. And I'm not going to give away all of them, but, you know, when like Garrett Cole's 100% in both. Yeah, I think that checks the box is pretty good. Yeah. Um, you know, Mike, Mike Clevenger, <laughs> yeah. pre, pretty high on both. I think that, that, that pretty fitting. And then Nick Pavetta so far off on aces plus. Yeah. that kind of makes sense. So yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. It, it makes and I, and I gotta, I gotta admit something a little bit there too, where, you know, I'm, I'm doing these all at a very granular, granular per pitch level. So, you know, when I'm actually finally, you know, sort of summarizing all this together and testing it, I am just praying that guys like Garrett Cole are at the top because if they're not I feel like I've done something seriously wrong so it does feel very good to kind of get you know maybe it's false validation but just some element of validation that I'm seeking that once I actually kind of bring all this together guys like Cole do pop and it, it does make you feel a little bit better about some of the you know testing that you're doing under like kind of beneath the surface there let's talk about some of these guys that are, are kind of on the top end here and then we'll obviously do the glass half empty portion at the end here but uh, we'll talk about some that I'm not going to say I, I put it on the outline as surprises. I guess it's more like, hey, these are guys that people are interested in and it kind of checks the boxes type thing. And let's start with one in uh, Cincinnati. Sonny Gray was a guy that came over to Cincinnati last year, had his old pitching coach. There's kind of mixed like high hopes that some people are still concerned because of what they saw in New York. Great American small park. He still pitched really, really <laughs> well this year. But, you know, you look at NFBC over the last week. He's still going to pick 97. He's still the 31st pitcher off the board. So it's not like people are running to go get him. But you look at the ace leaderboard here, and he's right at the top. Like his aces plus is up there. It matches pretty close to his aces. Uh, what is it you're seeing in Sonny Gray that has your attention? Yeah, I think he's he's always been a guy that's had really, really good spin rates. And so I think almost by that alone and being able to drive movement off of that, he's going to be you know fairly well ranked by, by uh, aces. And um yeah, you know, I was definitely he was someone that had had a lot of last year. And so I, I think I'm still going back to him this year. You, you know, pitching projections can be a little bit tough, so I don't put too much weight into them. But I can see why he's also going where he is in drafts right now, just because that is roughly speaking kind of where he's sort of projected. So I think, you know, I might be willing to push him up a little bit more than that, because like you were saying, the 31st pitcher off the board. Um and he, you know, he does have the good stuff, but he does still play in Great American Small Park, as you were saying, and uh yeah, I don't want I don't want to go too overboard there. So I think I think he's roughly fair where he's at right now. And and usually I, I use just the online drafts, but since we're gonna go to some guys that are going later, I pulled up the draft champions because this next guy, he's not going to online drafts. But I want to bring up Jonathan Loisiga or Loisiga yes. because he's going to pick five ten right now. He rates out really well in your aces metrics. Um, he only threw uh, thirty. What did I just had him right here. Uh, 31 innings last year, so not the biggest sample size. But the numbers look great. There's always been high hopes. And with all the injuries in New York, given they might not matter after all, um, he still might have a shot at some pitching at some point this year. So he's a good draft and hold type guy. Um, what are your thoughts on Jonathan Loisiga? Oh, I love Loisiga. Yeah, no, I, I think he's a great pick where he's going. Um, you know, he's super late. He's essentially free in those leagues. And the 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 only question about him that's ever been there is about healthy. You know, he's a, he's a relatively small guy for 
you know, I think he's like maybe like five, like a five ten righty or so, and and he's got really great stuff though. And that, that he popped last year on aces too, so he's he's someone I really really like. And it was sort of between him and Domingo Herman last year, and Herman ended up winning out that fifth spot. And we see a kind of struggle with injuries again. You know, kind of as as has been his um, issues so far in the majors. But no, I I really like him, and I think right now with those injuries, well, I shouldn't say right now, but you know, kind of before the postponement, um, it seemed like he had the inside track to at least start the season in the rotation. Now it's a little bit more of a question just because we don't know if maybe Paxton will be back earlier or or whatnot. But no, I, I really like Luis Siga where he's going. He's really got the stuff. He's got the results. It's all it's come in a little bit of a small sample uh, in, in the pros just because you can't seem, seem to stay healthy. But uh, no, I, I really like him. I, and he's one of my favorite guys, you know, uh, you know, at that point and just kind of one of those late pitching targets that, you know, would, would love to be able to take a shot at. He's a, he's a good one to kind of have circled for people like listening to the show that, you know, maybe Paxton has a setback because the back injuries are no joke. Like, it's it's nice that he was already thrown off the flat ground and kind of leaning towards bullpen sessions pretty soon. So he might be kind of ahead of schedule and whatnot. But Jordan Montgomery pretty much locked into the four slot, it looks like, barring anything crazy because Severino's out for the year. Like you said, Loisiga or Debbie Garcia, it looks like one of them was likely going to take uh, that fifth spot till Paxton was ready. But um, maybe he'll be back, maybe he won't. It's one of those that might even be worth a dart in a regular league just to draft him late, take yeah. a couple starts, see how he goes, and, and go from there. So he's a good name to have on the board. And that's why I like, again, yeah. these, lead, these leaderboards point out some people that really get your attention. And I love that call there, too, because I feel like he's one of those guys where if he is pitching, I think it's going to be pretty good. And if he's not, if he gets hurt, then you can always just you know cut him and, and move on to someone else. So that And, and if he doesn't make the rotation also, you know, so that, that's why I think he, like to your point, I think he's a nice guy to take late. He's in the rotation. He's pitching. I think for the most part, it's going to be pretty intriguing. And then if he's not, you know, you just move on. Yep, exactly. And that's the beauty of uh, late round picks because you, you pretty much your bench, you want to be able to burn and churn anyway. So always good there. We're talking about a couple of brewers here. We'll start with the first one. And Freddie Peralta has always been a, a very intriguing individual. Great fastball, has secondary pitch issues. But we saw this spring he's been developing a secondary pitch. I'm not sure. I, I doubt your aces metrics has that in there because – using last year's data so that can maybe even change things for the better even more he's going around pick 340 in uh, draft champions and everything he's done in the springs look phenomenal he's still fighting for a rotation spot but what's your takes on freddie peralta yeah and in some ways i kind of feel like he's similar to Luis siga in that yeah he's got the stuff and like you said he's more of a two-pitch guy really leans on that fastball but he drives really great results with it and yeah he's he's been working on a new slider or maybe bringing back his slider i think he was working on the dominican summer league so if suddenly he has a third pitch, uh, yeah, yeah, he, he becomes, uh, you know, even even more intriguing. And I think similar to Luis Siga as well, I think he's got, you know, at least if the season were to start relatively soon, I think he's got a shot within the rotation. So I think, you know, the Brewers have who they, they've got like Woodruff, Lindblom, and Hauser that I think are pretty much locks. And, you know, Brett Anderson, Lauer are there as well, but Lauer's hurt right now. So I, I could see Peralta grabbing that fifth spot. And potentially running with it, um, you know, and I think you mentioned his, his teammate Corbin Burns as well. I think he's also in the picture, you know, all, maybe those two are similar to like w- we were talking about last year with the Yankees, where it's kind of the Herman, Luis Siga, both interesting arms. One of them is going to win out and, and that guy might be a pretty intriguing guy to have. And I think that could be Peralta this year. And that's why it's really interesting because Burns, he rates like third on your list on um, on the Aces metric. He's going like 30 picks after uh, Peralta at 370. And what it seems like right now with that Lauer injury, because for some reason, Brett Anderson, they like him, I guess, eat innings, I don't know, veteran presence, yeah. something along those lines. Because but because um, in reality, Peralta and Burns probably both have better stuff than Brett Anderson. Oh, no but, um, yeah, so it's just one of those kind of like who's going to do it right now. It seems like Burns and Peralta are fighting for that last spot. Obviously, we don't know where that's going to go right now. But again, similar to Losiga, these could be two guys to uh, I think Peralta out of the three is the ones I'd go for. But. If, if you're going into a draft and say you don't have draft champions and it's one of your last picks, do you want Peralta, Loisiga, or Burns? Yeah, I think I think I'm with you on that. I think I want I, I just get the sense that Peralta maybe has the best shot to to stick stick in the rotation among the three. I like them all quite a bit, but I'd probably go Peralta, Loisiga, Burns is uh, is my word. I'd I'd love to get, you know, all three of them or two of the three though. And again, that's where if you're doing draft champions, you're doing the Raz Slam, something like yeah. that, where it's a cut line draft and you, you can draft all three. And you, and you roll with it and take them as they go. It could be very beneficial, especially like in a cut line where relief pitchers are more valuable. There's a great chance, even if Burns and Peralta don't make the starting rotation, they're going to be coming out of the bullpen as long men, 
uh, stuff in that in that in that nature, so they can still rack up strikeouts and uh, help you out there. Yeah. All uh, right. Well, this next one really has my attention because I have a lot of shares of Mitch Keller. He's going around pick two hundred one right now in draft champions formats, and you have him very very nicely ranked here on the Aces uh, platform. Only forty eight innings last year, and they're shaky, like an ERA over seven. But the XFIP was in the threes, great in the minors, good strikeout stuff. Are you a fan of Keller? I am. No, I'm, I'm a big fan. Did you see, did, did you see that article um, about him on the ringer by Ben Lindbergh, by chance? Not that. Well, well, no, I did not. Yeah. No, well, so what it helped highlight for me was I didn't realize how unlucky Keller was. And, and maybe to a certain degree, some of this was earned just because of how extreme it was. But he had the highest Babbitt since like 1900 by 50 points. So I think his BABIP was wow. somewhere around 475. And then maybe the next highest was like 425. Actually, might have been Corbin Burns last year. He, he was like third on that list. But anyways, um, I, I yeah, I think, you know, there, there's a lot of potential here. He's got the prospect pedigree. He's got the stuff. And, you know, I, I think the market for the most part seeing through, you know, the the crazy high ERA last year, like pick 200 is not super expensive. But at the same time, you know, you, I think you are expecting something from someone around that range. So I, I still think it's a fair price, and I think um, my you know editor at at CBS, Chris Towers, he he wrote a really interesting article early earlier in the offseason where he's actually kind of buying Pirates pitchers. They you know for a while they had been well known with Ray Searage as sort of the pitching whispers, and they were doing really good things, and then that they became out of touch really quickly. But they've sort of overhauled their their front office this offseason and have brought in a lot you know some some sort of newer age thinking, and so there's interesting things going on in Pittsburgh, and I think you know combined. Keller's prospect pedigree with his stuff, and you know, he had pretty good results last year too. It's even that you see the seventy ERA, like what what the heck happened? Um, but he still had roughly twenty two percent K minus walk rate, so he was quite good. Combine that with um, you know some some newer age thinking there, and yeah, I, I really like Keller. The only pause I've had recently is I noticed uh, one of the prospect analysts that I really respect. I like to pretty much read everything and, and listen to anything he listen to everything he's saying. Is uh, James Anderson thinks he's got kind of straight stuff, and he's not as crazy about you know the stuff and um, as maybe the industry as a whole so that's at least kind of helped me try to really really be critical here but no otherwise i'm i'm really digging the profile and uh i, I think at that price around pick 200 i you know i, I feel comfortable um taking him there yeah james is a smart guy so yeah i would definitely listen to what he has to say as well i think he's just one of those guys that's a high t- high prospect for so long uh and, and the stuff i've heard i have i didn't he- read the article with Lindbergh, but I've heard Joe Musgrove talk about it. I heard Jamison Tyon talk about it with the pitcher list guys. And Tyler Glass now has even said it, how the old Pirates philosophy, like they didn't know what a rap soda machine was. They all have yeah. those now. They didn't know what any of the, like the advanced metrics were. Glass now I think basically said it was go out and throw kid, work up and or work uh, away in the zone or jam them in. So like just, they were, they were so primitive in yeah. the way they were doing yeah. things that like Keller and Musgrove and, and even Archer, these guys are all excited about what could happen this year. Um, it could be real interesting. And for instance, just for fun, Keller's at 201 right before him is Joe Musgrove. Would you rather have Keller or Musgrove? Uh, yeah, everyone's always on Musgrove every offseason, and I just I have never quite been there with him, so I'm just going to go Keller here. Keller or Jose or Keedy? Um, Man, that's a tough one. Okay. Uh I'm going to go Keller. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if so I feel close. great about it, but. Yeah, it's it's tight. Last one, Keller or Mike fulton Ooh, Keller. Uh, I'm, yeah. I'm, for, I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm not a Fulty guy. Maybe uh, to my detriment, but I'm, I'm just not huge on him. Yeah, I've never been him either, but we're gonna have, I said one more. We're going to have a little more fun here. Uh, going eight pits, picks earlier, Mitch Keller or Herman Marquez? Ooh. Yeah, I like I actually kind of like Marquez and it kind of depends on the league a little bit with him because I've, I've been in certain leagues where um, maybe it's a little bit deeper. And I'm like, OK, well, you know, Marquez at, at, at on the road is actually, you know, at least you're going to get a good chunk of good innings. This is a deep league, too. So I think these innings are going to be helpful. But um, no, I think I'm just going to take I'm just going to take Keller. I'm, I'm not going to yeah. mess with course. Yeah, my thing is I just never course. That's just my yeah. rule. I just don't do it. OK, I'm, I'm going to keep going until you pick someone else. Uh, Mitch Keller or Luke Weaver? I think I would have said Weaver, but I I sort of take the um, I adopted the uh, the Scott Pianowski strategy where I, I just really don't go out and you know kind of seek out the injuries, and so I just maybe I need to do a little bit more reading on Weaver this offseason. But just I had him last year, I was really big on him, and I really like him as a as a pitcher. 
but I'm a little bit worried about, you know, the forearm tightness he had last season. And, and I don't really know how that's going to impact this season. So I'm based on that alone, I'd go Keller. But, you know, if, if I had some time to do a little more reading on Weaver and, and where he's at right there, I'd, I'd, I'd reconsider. Okay, then we'll leave it at that. It's kind of a push. We'll leave it at a push. Yeah, Weaver's a tough one. Weaver's a very tough one. I'm with you there. He, he looks great, then he got hurt. Yeah. Uh, as Paul Spore says, it's great that he finished the year on the mound. He came back and made yeah, a couple that's appearances. True. But, man, yeah, it's a uh, – you know how that forearm discomfort usually leads to something else. Just going to throw that Yeah, out yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, we'll see. Um, th- this one got my attention, Trent Thornton, because a couple things. First off, he's going way after pick 500. In these draft champions leagues, he's going at pick uh, 587 right now. And when you look at him, people are really high on him potentially getting that fifth spot in Toronto. I've seen a lot of people talking him up as a late round target. But you got your Aces metrics has him at 89%, but your Aces plus at yeah. 46%. How do you evaluate a guy like that? Well, I mean, I guess just a first touch on the the first piece that you mentioned as part of draft champions going, you know, well after pick 500, I like him there just because I do think he's got a good shot at being in the rotation. He's got interesting stuff. So, you know, I would love to see what happens there and see if he can turn that stuff into better results going forward. I think, you know, they've got at least three guys kind of locked in and then sort of that fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh spot are between what Chase Anderson, Thornton, um, you know, you got Pearson potentially coming up at some point. I think Barucky is, you know, maybe hurt and there. So, you know, I kind of like Thornton among those guys. Maybe Thornton and Pearson are, you know, the pitchers, uh, you know, that kind of finish the year in those fourth and fifth spots. But I, I like him to, to grab one of those spots. So because of that, he's interesting to me. Um, but yeah, I, I think right now he's just to this spot in his career. He's been one of those guys where he's had the stuff, but he's had a difficult time turning those into results. And I think he was, you know, maybe an Astros guy. So he's got those super high spin rates and, and all that stuff. So that's why he rates well in, in eight. He hasn't those into results yet. But like you were saying, pass pipe pick 550 he's in the rotation he's got interesting stuff yeah sign me up for that all right let's talk about another one jose urania always been kind of one of those interesting starters streamable type guys for the fish then he uh, got hurt came back worked out of the bullpen really really well and he's kind of one of those flip guys you know 88 percent aces but 99 percent aces plus he's another guy that's going well after pick 500 562 in draft champions he's gonna pitch every fifth day in the marlins rotation I have no reason not to throw him uh, what's your take on Jose Urania? Yeah, I, I saw this on the rundown. I almost wanted to, like, I was looking into this. I, I, this is where maybe I just, I know, I know I'm the one to put these together, but I almost like, what, what went wrong here? I'm just not <laughs> a big Urania guy. And I, I'm not kidding. I, I think I'm going to look into this a little bit more too, to figure out how he, how he ended up um, scoring so high on Aces Plus specifically, because I look at his profile and, you know, he had a 10% K minus walk last year. Uh, all of his ERA estimators were still, pretty close to five and i'm looking at even aces plus percentiles by pitch type um you know he's got i think he's i think what he has he's got a really good two-seamer um you know and and a couple other other above average pitches and somehow that you know equated to to being that high but otherwise no i'm 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 not really buying urania um but i guess you know to your point he he probably is going to be in the rotation so if you're looking for some cheap innings with intriguing stuff he's out there for you yeah, I just wanted to bring him up because he was ranking so high. I was curious if I was missing something. Like like I said, I've used him to stream from time to time. If you play DFS, there's time to use him because he's cheap. Like, I get all that. Yeah. I was just wondering, what was it that I was missing there? Um, Matthew Boyd. This guy is a conundrum around fantasy circles. His stuff is great. He has phenomenal strikeout abilities. He also gives up a ton of home runs. It is a tale of two worlds. But he's working on new, a new pitch this year. In spring, he's been utilizing his whole pitch mix phenomenally. Uh, what's your take on Matty Boyd? Yeah, I, I wanted to bring him up because I, I'm still trying to figure that out. I'm really intrigued <laughs> by a lot of things here. He's got good stuff. He had good results last year. He had, you know, about a, a 24% came on his walk rate. I think that was probably like top eight or so among qualified starting pitchers. So he's got that. I know he's been more of a, you know, a two pitch guy um, kind of relying on, I'm, I'm thinking what is probably the, uh, the slider and the, the fastball slider guy. Mm-hmm. And I think he's been working more on, is it the, is it the curve or is it the changeup in, in spring he's that he's been working on a little bit more? I think he's working on both because okay. I was talking to Alex yeah. Fast the other day. Right. If you go yeah. back on one, if you go back on one of Alex Fast's tweets uh, over his last start, he has all like five or six strikeouts and he struck them out on all different pitches. Like he had at least, like some are multiples because obviously he only has four pitches, but he had strikeouts on all four pitches at least once. 
Yeah. And and I think I, I listened to their interview with him, him and Nick's uh, interview with Matt Boyd on, on Pitcher List. And, you know, it sounds like he was, and I'm sure all pitchers are, so I don't want to buy into it too much and, and get sucked in. But, you know, he's working a lot with like the Rapsodo machines in the offseason, really kind of trying to break things down. And so um, I don't know if he went to Drivel or not, but I, I'm really intrigued by him. Just that, you know, that, again, I, I kind of get caught up on that 24% K minus walk rate. And, you know, he's got the stuff. He's, you know, he had, he had the results last year. So I'm, I'm tempted to buy in because the price isn't really prohibitive, but um, I, I'm just, yeah, wondering what I'm missing here. Maybe, like you said, it's the the homer issues that he's going to keep on having. But um, I think this is the profile that I that I want to bet on and see if some of those offseason spring training gains with that third and maybe even fourth pitch are going to kind of uh, manifest themselves in the regular season too. Yeah, he's an interesting case. Going to pick 163. So if you're not paying like a premium for him, he's going after guys like Kyle Hendrick, uh, Julio Urias. James Paxton's even going in front of him still. So you're getting like a value on him. And, and it's just weird when you look at his profile, like the strikeout rate went way up. Like you're talking about four, five, six ERA, but a three, eight, eight X FIPS. So, you know, maybe there's some things that pan out there. And a lot of it's because of the home runs. Um, You know, the previous two years, a 10.6, 11. Definitely someone I'm. Yeah, no, keep going. Sorry. Yeah, no. In uh, the previous two no, years, I was say, keep going. You're on a good roll there. Oh, uh, in the previous two years, a 10.11.2 percent home run per uh, fly ball. Last year, 18.2. So it just spiked a lot because his ground ball went, rate went up, but his home run per fly ball went up. So it just seemed like maybe the bouncy ball, maybe he was just finding too much of the plate. I think those two extra pitches, he's worth a gamble. And if you're drafting him, he's like a third or fifth starter for you. So I think there's a lot to like there. Yeah, that's a good. And, and, and I wonder if he's also one of those guys where. You know, there's been a little bit of talk about the ball, not a ton, just because there's really nothing we can do about it until the regular season starts and figure it out. But I wonder if he would be one of those guys that if he is more prone to that long ball, um, if he would disproportionately benefit from kind of a more normal ball than than a, any other given pitcher. So, yeah, I guess that's just something else to think about. I, I don't know. Yeah, it's it, we don't know. We don't know what the ball is going to be like. There's reports coming out. This spring that it feels more like the 2018 ball, I think, is what I, I was hearing. But then again, who knows what the spring ball and the regular season ball is going to be like. And, you know, with baseball missing time, maybe they want to bring the long ball back to get fans back in the seats. Who knows? It's going to yeah. be – there's, there's all yeah. kinds of things to think about there. So, um, Nate Eovaldi, I'm glad you put this one on the list because I have been grabbing him a lot of places late, and he's, he's moving up the draft board now. Still pick 311. It's not bad. Like, still really good value. But his velocity has been great this spring. He's always been a strikeout guy. He can get a little wonky at times. But what's your take on Eovaldi? Yeah, that's, that's all I want to bring him up because I was I was trying to get your sense too. I feel like he's, you know, maybe been um, you know a richer version of Jose Urania, where the the stuff and the velocity have always been there. The results have been a little bit harder to come by. I know he did have that one good year and he had that really good playoff run as well. So that's why I said he's definitely more of the rich man's version of that. But. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he's just someone where I, I feel like I've always been intrigued, but someone else just seems to like him a little bit more than me just because I haven't quite seen, you know, the results. And I think he's still coming off, uh, you know, is it, was it an elbow injury or, or something along those lines? So I'm, yeah, I'm probably – Yeah, season last year for sure. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know if I'm if I'm going to be buying in, but I did want to bring him up because I think I had, I had seen you say that. And he's – yeah, he's just always perpetually a super intriguing guy. Well, and one of the big concerns that I, I understand when people uh, talk about him, there's a lot of people that don't like what they're like, don't like him, but it's hard to, I know spring sp- stats are spring stats. I get it. But he, what he's done this spring has been pretty darn impressive. It looks kind of like a rejuvenated uh, Nate Evaldi, but there is a couple things that do uh, caution words of caution. You know, the last three years, 124, 111, 67, eights pitched. So he's not shown a lot of longevity there. Um, but a couple of good things, you know, his BABIP last year was 315, previous two years were 287, 275, um, you know, ERA of 599, but XFIP of 489, still not great, but also a 23% home run to fly ball last year after a 12% the previous year, uh, 19% the previous year, and then everything was seven or below prior to that. So he's really yeah. started giving up the long ball more. I don't know. I'm not, I, he's going to have some bad outings. I'm not going to question that at all. I wouldn't be shocked if he goes into the Bronx. He gives up like six home runs in a game. Yeah, that's exactly. that's going to yeah. happen with him. But I think there's more often than not, he's going to be a pretty quality arm and you're drafting him with one of your last picks. So yeah, it's, it, it, it's, it's not going to hurt you. I think he has more upside than some of those late picks. Like uh, he, right now he's going right next to guys like Kyle Gibson, uh, Alex yeah. Wood, Ronaldo Lopez, Miles Mikolas, all guys, they're question marks in their own right. 
Yeah, so absolutely. It's kind of a hit and miss type thing, but there's a lot of interesting names in that back end of the draft that uh, uh, could be uh, interesting. I, I think his upside is pretty pretty strong, and they're going to throw him as much as he can go because they paid him. And if you look at uh, roster resources, if you ever get bored and look at that Boston starting rotation, Ooh. it's atrocious. I've got it up now. Yeah, it does not look good. Brian Johnson. And I know Ross Resources, you know, it's just a website and they don't necessarily know any better than we do, but it's a nice starting point. And man, this looks bad. Yeah, I I pulled it up the other day and I'm pulling it up again right now. And there was one name I was telling, and I I record a a separate baseball show, not full fantasy, just baseball in general, with a Boston guy. And I asked him, what is it? Well, they changed it. Okay, Ryan Weber. But Ryan Weber, Weber was new to me. I thought he was like a reliever in Texas. Like, yeah. I couldn't have told you who he was. But yeah, Martin Perez. I love Erod, but it, it's a it's a shaky situation, to say the least. Yeah, to say the least, for sure. All right, let's look at the kind of glass half empty situation. Some names that stood out to me that did not rate out too well uh, on the Aces metric here. And one that's been a guy that I haven't really been grabbing much of because I feel like people are higher on him than I am. I know he looks good, but you watched some of those starts last year, and it was kind of very roller coastery. And that's Sean Manaya. He is uh, coming out near the bottom of your rankings, and I'm wondering uh, what you're seeing in Sean Manaya. Yeah, didn't didn't he have like a no hitter last year or something? Or maybe was that two years ago that I'm thinking about that? Yeah, either either a no hitter or a perfect game or something. Yeah, yeah was, something like that. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm I think I'm a little bit lower on Manaya than most as well. Uh, you know, he hasn't. And I don't want to penalize him too hard for his pretty – it was actually his horrible um, ranked by aces last year. It was in the first percentile. You know, he was coming back from from injury. I think he was coming back from – was it Tommy John or, you know, some fairly serious shoulder injury of some sort? Yeah, and, shoulder uh, injury, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think it was the shoulder, right? And so, um, you know, he had that going. And then he also has uh, – you know, he's just – at just being a lefty, generally, I think you're a little bit um, at a disadvantage by – you know, analysis bias is just because we're looking at things like velocity and just on average, right? He's tend to throw harder than lefty. So I think he's going to be a little bit penalized there, but just even looking at his 2018 and 2017, he's been comfortably below average by both aces and aces plus in those years. And um, last year he at least be, you know, he was at least about average by aces plus. So it shows the results were there, but um, you know, where, where's he going by ADP right now? I just, I just feel like I'll never end up with him where he's currently going that pick. Yeah. 180. Um, there's just so many guys. We were just talking about a bunch of them, like Urquity, yep. um, Boyd's going in that kind of in that general range. Uh, I, I like, you know, Mitch Keller, we talked about Andrew Heaney, um, just all those names in that area. I, there's just, I could never see myself taking my eye over any of them. And that's where I've been. I, I just can't do it. And people point to last season. Yeah, sure. He was great in his like 29 innings. He pitched towards the end of the season, yeah. his five game starts. He pitched very well, but you know, I, I don't know if he was, I don't know what it was, but, you know, his strikeout rate went up quite a bit from years past where he, he, he was good, but a K rate of 27.5% when his previous high was 20.9. That's quite the spike. His, his walk rate was good, but you look at 100% left on base rate, that ain't going to happen again. Yeah. Uh, he had a home run rate below one. That ain't going to happen again in this era of base. I just hate to break it to people. Yeah. Um, a one two one ERA with a three nine eight XFIP. Um, I think that three nine eight is a lot closer to what you're going to get from Sean Manauer. So. Definitely, yeah, and uh, you know, I guess the people's credit. I actually hadn't realized this came out as Walker with this good last year, twenty one percent. But to your point, uh, small small sample of innings, and um, yeah, it, it it'll be interesting like to see in that range. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see where he continues to go in that situation. But uh, let's go to a fun one here, uh, Patrick Sandoval, with the issues in the back end of that uh, Angels rotation. They've made some nice moves to kind of strengthen it in the offseason. Dylan Bundy, who I'm a big fan of. And a couple other things, but still, Patrick Sandoval is sitting around trying to get a fifth spot in that rotation. He's going to pick 440, but the Aces metric does not like him much. Um, do you have any thoughts on Patrick Sandoval? Yeah, and and it's fun. I'm, I'm an Angel fan too, sadly. And you mentioned we, you know, we had good reinforcements at the, uh, you know, at the back of our rotation. Those, those guys are at the front of our rotation now. Julio Tehran and uh, and Dylan Bunny were in the conversation for opening day starter at this point. With, um, you know. Uh, Otani still not back yet, probably until May, or it would have been May at the earliest. And then Canning now with the uh, the forearm issues, and so it's uh, you know typical rough you know situation for on the pitching side for the Angels. It just kind of feels like we're perpetually in this spot. But you know, Sandoval's pretty interesting. I, yeah, he he rates very poorly by aces. Uh, again, one of those lefty guys. Uh, you know doesn't 
doesn't really he's just a bad i think i think the easiest way to describe he's a bad fastball guy so he's got a couple of nice secondaries got a really nice change got a nice slider so there's there's some interesting things here you know with his arsenal um and i think he does have a spot by the way i think god matt him and matt and are going to be the the back end of our rotation <laughs> right now um i think i don't even know how that's possible and 90 of his last 95 appearances have been as a reliever and now he's like kind of locked in as a number four guy but I digress. So uh, I do think Sandoval will uh, start the year in the rotation. He does have those nice secondaries. I know um, I've been seeing some some clips of his his changeup in in spring training, and Madden seems to be a big fan of it too. I think he was calling it the thing, or I don't know what he was calling it, but he was calling it something. So I, I think he's got a spot. He, he's kind of interesting, but I think he's just going to be a bad fastball guy, and so I think he's probably going to be more prone to to homers than than your average guy. And um, there's definitely going to be blowups, but. I guess I would call him a nice watch list guy. I, I don't think I'll be drafting him really anywhere, but uh, you know, definitely keep an eye just to see if there's making any kind of improvements with the fastball and, and just finding a way to make the, the whole arsenal play up a little more. He's going to pick 440, so he's not going in a regular draft. Definitely a watch list, but big-time strikeout stuff in the minors, that's something that carried over, but also a lot of walks. Controls have been an issue with him, so he's got to get a hamper on that, and last year the long ball got him big time, so – the stuff is it, it, it intrigues people, like you said, the clips and everything. We know it's there; it's just managed of honing it in, and maybe it's you know it's just a young guy thing. He's 23 years old, just needs to get some more work in there and figure it out. So time will tell on Sandoval, but could be a nice little guy to pay attention to as the season goes on. Another guy to pay attention to who's fighting for a rotation spot in Miami, and there's rumors that he might be getting it. We don't know, but Eliezer Hernandez pitched decently towards the end of last year. He's going to pick 521. But uh, Aces isn't the biggest fan of Eliasar. So, what's your take on him? No, yeah, it's not. And I think, um, I think I was reading that it seems like if anything, he was maybe like right on this outside looking. In. I think it was kind of between him and Urania for that fifth spot. And it sounded like Urania was is kind of leading that charge a little bit. If if the Athletic Speed reporter is to to kind of be believed there, and you know, a lot could happen before the um, you know the re- the regular season starts. But I think just that alone make, makes me interested in, in targeting. Go, going elsewhere, looking looking to target elsewhere. Um, doesn't really have super intriguing stuff. But, yeah, he, he got pretty solid results last year. I think he was, you know, by Aces Plus, he was, you know, almost in the 70th percentile. Got really solid results on his fastball slider combo. Um, and, you know, had, I think, comfortably above average came on his walk. So he's interesting in those regards. But I don't think he's interesting enough to me. And he doesn't even have the rotation spot. They're also moving the fences in in Miami. So I think there could be a little bit of an adverse effect on their pitching staff. And so um, I don't think you're going to find Hernandez on any of my teams. Definitely more of a watch this guy for me. Yeah. The troublesome thing with him is strikeouts were up, which were great, but the home runs over two home runs per nine, that's uh, terrifying. 18% home run to fly ball. And you only have a 34% ground ball rate. That's going to lead to a lot of trouble. So um, something to keep an eye on with him. Maybe he you know keeps developing things. We saw Alcantara make some great changes in the second half. Maybe LA Sarah could do that this year. And you can roll with it from there. But uh, time will tell, like you said, on that situation. Uh, the last one we're going to talk about here is the clue bot, Corey Kluber. Yep. And he's a fun guy because it's either you're in or you're out. <laughs> it's either he's too old and he's washed up or, heck, the Indians did not get enough and the Rangers got a gift. Like, where do you sit on him? He's going to pick 102 right now. That, that's why I added him in here because I don't know where I sit on him. I feel like there's there's solid arguments on both sides. So I guess kind of starting on the bad, you know, he's, what, 36 now. He had a really bad year last year, um, you know, kind of started with the injuries, but you, you don't know if I think it wasn't one of them to his pitching arm too. I know it's not a typical pitcher injury. It's kind of more of a freak thing, but it was. Yeah, he, arm. he got hit with a line drive. Right, exactly. So you don't really know the lingering effects of that. He didn't pitch well either. So we don't really have great stuff to go off of. He's getting older. The, uh, you know, whether you, whether you think it was a good move or not, you know, the Indians, they, it looks like they didn't really get a ton for him. You know, the, the return wasn't super um you know necessarily commensurate with where you would have thought he would have gone two or three years ago in terms of a trade so i think those are some of the bad things but you look at some of the good things and you know just look at in 2018 2017 he was top 10 percent by aces you know even even in 2018 which you could say he was already kind of declining um he was still top 25 percent too by aces plus you know in 2017 he was like basically top five percent so definitely was a little bit of a of a down um swing there but you know, it, it's like just just a year ago. You know, I know, I know these things can move quickly, but just a year ago, you know, he was a, he was a really good pitcher. Um, he's going to Texas, which typically would sound like you know something you don't really want, but they are moving to the new ballpark. We don't really know how it's going to play, but we think it'll play better than 
the old ballpark used to just because of it, you know, be indoors and, and more uh, climate control and things like that. So I'm torn on it. The, the price isn't, it's not prohibitive, but it's not amazing. At least the ADP that I was pulling, um, you know, it was like the last seven days by those online drafts. So it's those 12 teamers on FBC and it was going around pick 88. And so if you're more of a projections guy and I am sometimes more so on the hitting side, less than so than the pitching side, but if you're more projections guy on the pitching side, um, I don't know if you're going to end up with Kluber. So that, that, I, I guess that was just a long diatribe of me not really having any kind of conclusion mm-hmm. on it. And that's why I kind of added him here. I'm, I'm still trying to figure it out with him. It's tough. Like I can understand that people want to pass on him because where he's going is kind of tricky. Um, you know, I think people have been on him because maybe back in February he was probably going like a pick 150 ish, and yeah, he's definitely over that. Yeah, he's definitely climbed up quite a bit. Here's the arguments I'll give for him. If you take out last year, I know you really can't, but at the same time, freak injuries. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna let it kind of go here. Um, He's thrown 20. He started 29 or more games in every year since 2014. He has thrown over 200 innings every year since 2014. He has at least one K per nine, usually two uh, over uh, almost over 10 Ks per nine in every year since 2014. His highest ERA is three, four, nine since 2014. He has three ERAs in the twos out of those five years. And the FIPs aren't that his worst FIP is three, five, oh, in those times. So if you look at the grand scheme of what Corey Kluber is, he's absolutely amazing. But Flip side, yes, he's getting older. He's going to be 34 here in April. Velocity continues to go down. But we've kind of seen that off and on with him. He's more like a kind of maybe a Greg Maddox type where he's more of a pitcher than a thrower now type situation. Um, I think the ballpark will help him being in the dome. It will be more climate controlled. I I kind of picture an Arizona situation in in this – or even a Houston because it's in Texas type situation. So I I could see that being interesting. I could see the reason to take him. Yeah, absolutely. But when you look at where he's going, six picks later, you have Sonny Gray. Would you rather have Sonny Gray or Corey Kluber? I know. That's where I'm torn right now. Man, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I'd almost I'd almost want to just take – I like a lot of hitters here, hitter. too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I like a lot of hitters here. I'd notice myself going more hitter in this range. So. Yeah, that, that, that's my thing. Like, I'm either going hitter or I get my first closer because Chapman, Ozuna, Hendricks, Kinley, Jansen are all going in this range. Yeah. And it's like, okay, I want to get a like a lockdown closer here instead of Kluber or Sonny Gray or Frankie Montas, Jesus Lazardo, Mike Soroka, that whole area right there. It's really kind of a toss-up. Yeah, and and one one additional point maybe in favor of Kluber is I was reading an article on The Athletic. Um, they have inside injuries kind of write regularly for them, and um, they were talking about potential comeback player of the year for 2020. And uh, I think Virginia Zakas is the name, and, and she's sort of the writer there. And it was just talking about how – um, you know, Kluber should be all systems go and thinks he's a great candidate in terms of just being healthy and things like that to return to, to peak form. So I just thought that was interesting. I don't know if it was sort of confirmation bias for me wanting to believe in him again, but, um, you know, like, like we were talking about, most of my drafts so far have been snake drafts. Um, and so in this range, I've typically been going more hitter, but I do have, you know, when, whenever the drafts come back up, a lot of my main ones are auctions. And so it's like when he's up to, you know, to bid, I'm just trying to fi- figure out if I'm if I'm willing to go that that extra buck to to get him, or if I'm just going to let someone else try to see if they can get the comeback player the that that he might be. Like I don't have uh, auction values up right now, but like if you were in an auction, just roughly off the cuff, what would be your price tag on a Kluber? What would you be willing to pay for a Kluber? So I, I've got something up here. I don't know if it'll be super relevant to everyone, just because my league's a little bit different. But I think. Cause I, so we, we've got a little bit larger of a budget. So essentially um, we have a $300 budget for 13 teams. I think more of the typical is, is, um, is two sixty. but anyways, I've, I've got him from ATC being worth about $12 or so kind of between the bat depth charts, which combined zips and, um, and steamer and ATC got him worth from anywhere from 11 to $13. And then based on his ADP right now, I think, um, in my league, I would estimate he'd go from anywhere from 15 to $21. So certainly more than what he's projected, but at the same time, you know, I don't know if, you know, necessarily these projections are, are to be trusted particularly for pitchers. So I, I, at least in my league, I think he's going to go in that 15 to 21 range. And it, I feel like I, I, you know, being on that, just particularly on the lower end, but once it starts getting to 21, I'd, I'd feel a little more nervous. Let's just put it this way. Since we're going to have more time to draft more teams, I already kind of told myself I only had like, couple more teams to draft and i was not going to go any crazier there's a good chance i'm going to get bored now and start drafting some more um (laughs) 
I'll, I'll probably end up getting Corey Kluber somewhere just yeah. because I, I talked to him with you now. I talked to him with Alex Fast last episode. I think I've talked to him about him at least once a week, if not twice a week. Yeah. Because, like I said, it's a very polarizing player that every part part of hosting this show is I love getting everyone's opinions on these because everyone's got differing opinions and everyone's so smart. So it's interesting to hear the logic behind it all. And Kluber's one of those guys that really it's kind of a you are or you're not. That's yeah. just plain and simple with him. Yeah, and I mean, just like what, like a year ago or so, he was, you know, more of like a top 30 to 40 pick. And I know a lot can change in that time, especially with pitchers and older pitchers. But still, it's, uh, you know, it's hard to completely forget about that. Yep, no doubt about it. Uh, any other pitchers you want to chat about tonight or are you, you good calling it an evening? I think I think for the most part, I think we I think we covered a really fun group fun group of guys. The only guy I didn't actually write in there that um, I I really like this year and kind of want to get your thoughts on too is Andrew Heaney. He's mm-hmm. in a similar boat to some of the other guys that we talked about, where kind of the injuries have perpetually bogged him down. But the stuff has always been really nice, and I've got him at, for as part of aces in the top thirteen percent. So he's eighty seventh percentile, um, which. For a lefty, like we were talking about, is is really nice, and um, you know he was he was really great last year by K minus walk, and so you n- you never know if these are some of those things where it's like you're just being a homer or not. But I I'm really digging Heaney, and he's in that same range that we were talking about, like Boyd and those guys, where it's like around that pick 200, and and I I really like him around there. Yeah, I, I go Boyd over him. It's tough with, for me with Heaney, just because I haven't seen the longevity outside of one season with him. Yeah. And that that's my biggest thing because even last year when he pitched, he pitched really well at a K per nine over eleven, which was awesome. ERA was up there because he was giving up too many home runs, Homer, which yeah. he's done quite often yeah. in his career. It, it's one of those where I don't know if the stuff meets the stat the stat board, if that makes yeah. sense. Um, yeah, I'll put it this way: I wouldn't be shocked if he puts together a great season. That that wouldn't shock me at all. I think, like I said, the stuff's great. I just, yeah. uh, he's one of those. If he was going maybe a couple rounds later, it'd be a lot more appealing to me. But with guys like Boyd, like you said, sitting there, if we're looking at online drafts right now, uh, he's going to pick 190. So like Urquidy, I'd probably go above him. Um, you know, I could wait and maybe go after uh, Dylan Bundy, even on his own team, Adrian Hauser, Mitch Keller. I kind of like that range a little more, I think. Okay. All right. No, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, and um, just just the homer issue, I think that's definitely a, a totally fair thing. And it's just going maybe really similar to Boyd, and maybe these guys are actually kind of really similar. Is um, yeah, I wonder I wonder if they would stand to benefit the most from more of a normal ball, more so than other pitchers, just because of the home run issues. But yeah, he's definitely got to fix those. Um, in, so in addition to Tahini, also what I was curious about was more. We were talking about injuries right now, and you know that's something we got to think about. But in terms of the higher end guys that we've seen have injuries, are you are you just kind of maybe kind of putting a pause on those guys? Because for me, some of them were I was starting to put them more towards my fade lists where I started hearing about, you know, pitcher injuries in spring, especially when it's things like, you know, the elbow, the shoulder, even even obliques kind of are scaring me like the lat. Like so like guys like Verlander, Scherzer, Snell, um, trying to think who else is up there. Maybe I guess you could kind of throw Paxton on that list. Maybe he's further down. Like those guys, I was just almost mentally crossing off my board unless there was just a massive discount. But are you are you kind of back in at least on thinking about them again, or were you never off them? With uh with this climate we're in now, I am getting back in on some of them. Uh, Scherzer, I was always way beyond, but I would take him if if it worked out because the back issue scares me. I'm not so worried about his side. Uh, Verlander, I dropped down to like my tenth or eleventh starter with his issues. But now if we're going to miss two to four weeks of the regular season, he'll be back and ready to roll. So yeah. uh, that one changes things. Clevenger was one I'm worried about because they were rushing him back from his knee, it felt like. But now they can take it slow again. It, it had nothing to do with his arm. So I'm good there. Uh, Carrasco, I'm still kind of paying attention to because like Tito, yeah. Tito says this is the same discomfort he has every season. And if that's the case, yeah. then okay, let's roll. But, man, after a while, he's getting older than people think. That's That's kind of scary. Yeah, they um, shut him down. Yeah. I think he was coming back and he was throwing, and they just shut him down again. I think it's what is the right shoulder again? Uh, yes, right shoulder or yeah. elbow or so. Yeah, it wasn't good. Yeah, but yeah, that but, makes but, me nervous. But Snell, Paxton, uh, Sale, those guys are on no. They're they're no draft for me. Yeah, I'm I'm thinking maybe Snell. Well, yeah, I think I agree with you actually. I'm, or maybe it's actually Paxton that I'm starting to consider again, just because. 
Yeah. It's, you know, the back is, it sounds like it might be chronic. And so that, that definitely worries you, but it seems like he's the only one that's going for like a true, true discount. At least he was, maybe it'll change now that, um, you know, now that things are going back up, let's see if I could pull up what his ADP was. He's 170 right now and online I mean, since yeah, March 6th. That's, that's, that's I mean, a pretty good deal. It is a good deal. And we like a lot of guys in that range too. Like we talked about a lot of them today. Um, mm-hmm. you know, so it's tough because you, you like other guys there, but, um, yeah, that, that, that's the one guy who feels like you're actually getting a bit of a discount. And, um, yeah, he's, he's someone where, you know, the stuff and, and the results aren't really much of a question. You know, it's all about the health. Yeah, it's hundred percent. I, I was yeah. before Paxton got hurt. I had him as one of my like top 15 pitchers. I was all yeah. in on what I saw in the second half of the Yankees, but man, back problems scare me. But then I, I always have to tell myself, look what Kershaw's done. He's made it work. Um, but Paxton just had that history of things and Paxton actually had surgery where Kershaw and them have not had surgery. Yeah. So that changes things a little But The rehab out of all these guys, the rehab has been good with Paxton, like Snell, the shoulder issue scares the snot out of me. That's yeah. just that, like that, a quarter zone shot. And he's ready for opening day still. No, I'm sorry. That that wasn't going to work for me. But uh, yeah, it's tough because like you said, Pianowski said it best and I, I'm a big believer in it. Injuries are going to find you throughout the season. Yeah. So why draft guys, especially pitchers with injuries, hitters, you can kind of play with pitchers. Uh, why? They're all going to yeah. get hurt somewhere. Yeah, and, and exactly. And, and you can always point to examples, you know, maybe with any argument, really, of some counterpoints. Like Kershaw last year, for example, was someone I was a hard fade on just because it's like, mm-hmm. look, I'm, I'm not dealing with that. And he played, he played well, so it worked out. But then, you know, for, for every Kershaw, there was also a Severino who I was also mm-hmm. someone I was like, I'm just I'm not in on Severino. This year. I don't care. I almost don't care what the discount is practically. And that one worked out. So it's I, I feel like more often than not, it does. And, and some other guys that I was still kind of betting on because they were late last year was like Lizardo um i'm trying to think of some others as well maybe even like jimmy nelson i was kind of intrigued by but i just feel like you just don't really need to to kind of go out of your way to go find those guys there's just so many interesting arms that i think you know, just try to stick with the ones that are healthy not the guys that are dealing with you know throwing arm or shoulder issues already yeah there's a lot of intriguing options especially later in the draft as you go that you can take your gambles there it's kind of my thing like with hitters is if you want to take like a Joe Abdell, well, there's your one risk you have in your draft. Or you can go take a bunch of other guys that, you know, have playing time and are still risky, but they're playing right now. So it's how do you want to go? I, 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 I treat Abdell like he's an injured player right now because you're not going to get him for a while. So you got to kind of think of it that way. That's how I think about it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, all right, Aaron, that'll wrap us up for this episode. Again, remind everybody what you got going on with Aces and CBS Sportsline and where they can find you on Twitter, all that good stuff. Yeah, and uh, I've I've been a little bit more consumed, uh, at least I was the last couple of weeks, in, in trying to get my own draft prep done. So not as much stuff for me after I had cranked out aces. But if you want to follow my work, it's going to be mostly on on CBS Sports. Some of it will kind of the full leaderboards on some of the work will be um, on Sportsline behind the paywall. But otherwise, you can give me a give me a follow on uh, on Twitter as well at Roto Pope. Don't tweet a ton, but every once in a while, I'll, I'll try to think of something um half worthy to say so yeah feel free to follow me there awesome man I, I appreciate you joining me tonight it's always fun chatting with you uh next time it'll be on a better better situation i i bet but uh, uh thanks for joining me and I'm, I'm looking forward to what's next for aces it's, it's such an awesome metric and it's cool seeing uh different people in the industry embrace it and use it in their writing and everything so uh thanks for joining me man we'll, we'll do it again sometime yeah it was great thanks for thanks again for having me. this was uh it was great chatting with you. i needed this tonight yeah, no problem at all, everybody. This is Bench with Bubba, episode 259 with Aaron Sassetta talking aces. Catch you guys later.